When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking 80, everybody wants to do it. It's such a common score that people want to get below. We're going to talk about breaking 80 and how to do it from off the tee. Lou, what score are you? What's your score? Like, you're going out. If you shoot in the 80s, are you upset or are you okay? Um, I shot in the 80s quite a bit last year. So I spent a good part of the year with my index between five and eight. Yeah. Um, and when you're five index, you know, your scoring average is going to be, if you're playing a par 72 and you're getting five strokes as your handicap, your scoring average is typically about three shots above your course handicap. So yeah. five plus three is eight. If I'm playing a par 72, my scoring average would be about an 80 yeah. as, a, as a five index. So yeah, I had plenty of rounds in the 80s. I don't think I had one in the 90s last year. A couple that were close. Do you, have any, dark, grinding do you have any? I had some dark times, man. <laughs> that calculator must have been on fire in the last four rounds. <laughs> oh man, dark some dark days when I was going through that transition period before the uh, the strokes just started to fall off, started yeah. to shed off. Yeah, uh, and and then I just I put it into another gear at that point, yeah. and then it was just. Clean sailing the rest of the yeah. time. How many gears do you have? Yeah. <laughs> He's got one as many as I out. need. Yeah. As many as I need. When they're made up gears. Gear truck. <laughs> yeah. When they're made up gears, he can have as many as he wants. Um, Greg, obviously shooting in the eighties for you is want to go home stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I'm in big trouble. Like, I, I want to uh, get in the car and go home. I what am I doing mm, here? Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it does happen. Um, yeah, and yeah, it happens, and it happens usually through situations or conditions. Um, what is US your, Opens are what, pretty ugly. What is your scoring average? Do you know? I've not looked it up. No, I haven't looked. I think it's probably seventy-two or so, somewhere in there. Yeah, not low enough. Um, uh, but yeah, look, it's it's. It does happen at our level. That, you know, guys play poorly. Um, yeah. Sometimes guys, you know, it's in the, some things are in their head. They're a bit flinchy through impact. I've seen some guys struggle with that and shoot some really high numbers. Yeah. Um, it can happen just because the conditions are really, really difficult or you're really uncomfortable when the conditions are really, really difficult. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's certainly not a goal for us, but it's certainly something we need to talk about to help people break 80. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about what Lou's saying there, five index trying to break 80 past mm. 72, that's predominantly most of the golfing world because the percentage of people who are five index or better in the world of golf isn't actually as low as Twitter will make you believe. 
Yeah, it's actually <laughs> it's tiny, isn't it? It's absolutely tiny. Yeah, I can I can pull it up here in, in just a, a second, but yeah, it's it's very uh, small. Um, and the thing to take note of is I, I'm using this from the USGA website. Yeah. Um, so for men, uh, about 9.7% of men are uh, below a five index. Yeah. Um, and for women, it is 1.98% that are below a five index. But remember, the USGA only has two and a half, three million ish people keeping an index. And there's 25 million or so golfers in the United States. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that if you have an index, that you probably, players with an index probably skew a little bit better than players without an index. Yeah. So the actual percentage of players that are better than, you know, under a five index is, you know, under, you know, under 10% for men and under 2% for women, yeah, more yeah. than likely. Yeah, absolutely. So Lou has delved into some of the stats of what you need to do to break 80 off the tee. And I just want to put this out there. So what the idea is of this is if you do these points that we talk about today, that doesn't mean you break 80, but what it does do is it gives you a fair chance of breaking 80. So you're putting like down some good foundations if everything else works. Because at the end of the day, Lou, we're just breaking down the tee here, but... There's a lot of moving parts to breaking any score, basically, isn't there? You could fail at one but excel at another sure. and things like that, yeah. can't you? Because sometimes in these pods, people go, oh, I'm, you know, you say you got to hit it X yards. I hit it 50 yards past that and I can't break 80. It's like, well, <laughs> oh. I, I wouldn't you have to do other things too. I wouldn't be <laughs> shouting that out, personally. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd be keeping that to myself. I wouldn't be shouting that out. Um, so, Lou, do you want to... I've got the stats in front of me. Have you got them in front of you? Do you want to hit the first one? Uh, percentage of tee shots that result in penalty strokes. Do you want to break yes. it down how you've done that for us? Yeah, so I looked at, uh, uh, just to compare, uh, 15 handicap is a, a pretty popular... Handicap. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people. It's popular right around average. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say people enjoy <laughs> it, but it's a popular handicap where there's a lot of people in that range and they're trying to get better. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're relatively serious about the game. Um, so if you're a 15 handicap, you you are going to hit uh, about 8% of your tee shots out of bounds. So I want to compare that to a five handicap, a five index player. Yeah. A five index player is going to break 80 a good chunk of the time. Yeah. You know, to, again, you could put yourself in a tough spot where you're a five index player and you're playing from the tips on a course that has a rating of 75.5 and, and, and a slope of 150. And you know, you're actually getting 10 or 11 strokes there and you're rarely going to break 80 in that situation. But if you're playing the typical club course where you know, you're playing from about where you should um, you're going to hit 5% of your tee shots OB as a five index. And a five index playing, you know, typical courses, typically yardages is going to break 80, a, 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 you know, 40% of the time or so. So if you, if you want to break 80 um, and you're currently a 15 cap, you're probably hitting, you know, nearly one out of 10 uh, OB uh, off the tee. You want to get that, get that down to one out of 20. So 5%. 
Yeah. Like Makes sense. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So people need to hit less penalty shots from the tee. So they need to hit yes. the ball into less penalty areas. Everyone listening goes, well, that's obvious. How do I, I know that. Of course I want to hit less penalty shots. What would we give us some good ideas just quickly before we go on to the next stat to help them hit less penalty shots? Greg, you got someone who's hitting penalty shots on the tee? Yeah, what, look, what? and we're talking about a stat here where out of bounds is not on every single hole. So recognize there's only certain holes and certain tee shots if you play the same place all the time. Which people that do. That require you to be super aware of, hey, out of bounds is over there. I'm going to pick a target that's skewed way on the other side if I can get away with doing yeah. that. Even in the rough, because um, you're in the rough, yep, probably going to be better yep. than in Your goal the is fence. to stay out of the out of bounds yeah. and hit it in the rough on the other side. Um, pick a different club. Yep. Three woods, okay, too. Yeah. Right. Let's get this thing. Let's be comfortable. If you repeatedly do the same thing, let's do something different yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, and we've always talked in other pods. If you have the option for a second serve, a tee down cut with your driver, if it's the out of bounds is left, then that's handy. That'll ta- that'll help take that left side out of play. Um, you don't have to hit three wood even hit a hybrid. You can change clubs. Um, yeah, there's like so that. many different options. So often it comes down to target selection. The target you are choosing is very likely too close to where you're where you trying to not go. Yep, absolutely. Um, and if we move that on another tier, I love what you're saying there, Greg, I agree. The amount of golfers that I've played with over the years who will not... Re- so let's say the out-of-bounds is on the right of the seventh hole and we've played the first five tee shot holes because there's been a par three or two par threes in there, okay? And they've hit pretty high curvatures left to right that have ended out quite a long way on the right. And we get to the seventh hole and they're just aiming straight down the middle of the fairway, hoping that they don't hit another one of them. The amount of golfers I've played with and taught who do that, I just think, well, come on. we, we look, You hit any of those tee shots you've already hit today, that's not really going to work, is it? Should we aim way left? So if you've got the first five tee shots and you found that you're like hitting these toey draws every time, like, yeah, maybe don't aim up the left in the left damn rough to miss the out of bounds because now you're going to toey draw it into the bush. Not only is it picking targets that work for your generalized play, but you might find that there are some lessons as you're out there playing. I, I just don't exactly. see golfers yep. learning from their patterns. Um, and if it's about avoiding penalty shots, you need to be watching those things closely. Like, you know, I would say to these golfers, where did your tee shots go on the last four hours? And you can see them having, they look in that part of their brain where they're having to really recall it. I think. How have you not been taking a mental note of that? You know, if I if I'd have hit four serves in my last service game all long, it's probably a good chance my fifth serve I'm going to put some topspin or something on it to try and dip it into the court. You know, what I mean, I'm not just going to keep banging it long. Um, you've got to react. Yes, I think I think there's some of that. I think there's definitely that spot on, Mark. I think the other thing I just want to add in there too: take a take a look at where the designer is pointing the tees. Sometimes he points them instinctively towards the trouble and you just keep you just line up square to that T where yeah. it's point, the T is ground is actually pointing and it's actually towards the problem you're trying to avoid. Yeah. So you have to be just hyper aware of just little nuance like that if you if they're playing trying to play tricks on you a little bit, sometimes that can play play into it as well. Lou penalty uh, shot. I mean, first I want to address that. I don't I typically like in that situation, I'm gonna do what the architect intended. And, and, I, <laughs> and I'm gonna line up exactly. We're getting more how he cynical with every pod, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we, we are. Uh, who should so, we who should we alienate next? <laughs> yeah, the, the list is long. 
Um, so the, what I would say is you need to know how much space you need. You need to know how big of an area you hit your driver into. And we're going to do some math here. You guys ready for some math? Who's excited? Oh, about I'm so excited. This Let is me get my eyeballs out. I have been dreaming about this all day. Yeah. So we're going to, all right. So if you're mm. near your computer, open up Excel. All right. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I re- what, what we really need to do is we need to know how big of a standard deviation you have with your driver. That's just a fancy way of saying, how much variance, how much space, or how much variance do you have with your tee shots left to right, east to west, however you want to think of it. Um, and you typically want to have a target that's about two standard deviations away from, from trouble. And so what does that mean if I were to put that in general terms? For somebody like Greg, if there's OB in play, you know we're typically going to pick a target somewhere between 29 and 34 yards for him somewhere around that depending on the skill level of the player yep. um, and how straight they are uh, for amateur players it's going to be typically higher than that and for some people a lot higher than that um, there was a one amateur player that I was I was working with and you know I I had him hit uh, probably about 70 or 80 tee shots over the course of a number of rounds and what he did was, he was trying to have the ball finish exact center of the fairway every tee shot. And what he did for each tee shot was he would hit it and, and then he would step off how many yards he was left or right okay. of the exact center of the fairway, put that into a spreadsheet. Uh, if you miss left, make the number negative uh, and then calculate the standard deviation. Whatever number you get, multiply that by two. So if you get a standard deviation of 21 yards, um, multiply that by two, that's 42. Your target from trouble needs to be about 42 yards away from trouble. Yeah. Um, and I've seen players as high as 44, 45. And so that means when they get into some of these tight holes that have trouble on both sides, they may need as much as 85 to 90 yards of space in between these trouble these trouble areas in order to safely hit driver. So to me, knowing that for your game is so important. Um, and and just taking you know a g- generic distance for all five handicaps or all tens or all fifteens, you know may not work for you. Um, you may need less space. You may need more space. But knowing that number is extremely important. Yeah, I like that. It's good stuff. There's some good ideas there for people to try. All right, wait, we didn't get to the Excel penalties. part yet. Sorry. Yeah. So now <laughs> yeah. we're no, I'm, I'm going to mute your mic in a minute if you keep saying maths. Um, okay, so we move on to the next stat then. So they're going to reduce their penalty strokes, basically 8% yeah. down to 5 That's a great point. Yeah. And uh, another quick point as well here, if you don't know how many penalty shots you have over the next 72 hours that you play over the next month or two months, just count them. Just have an idea to put some of these numbers in perspective. If you're not collecting stats yourself, just just count them out. The amount of golfers, if I was to ask them how many penalty shots they have with their, you know, driver, they ain't going to know. I don't know. That's why we have things like Arcos and what have you, because they allow us to count these ideas and see if there's any massive mistakes that we're making. So just next time you're out there, take four rounds. If it's the next two months, four months, one month, no matter how much you play, if you're not collecting stats, just count them and, and see what the number's like compared to some of the numbers we're talking about in this pod. Um, tee shots in the recovery situations where they need to come out sideways, Lou, I think is yeah. the next one. 
hit me. Yeah, it is. It is. This one I think really applies to me quite a bit. Yeah, the sideways. Um, so tip yeah, out. percent of tee shots where you hit into a recovery <laughs> situation. This is where you, you know, you don't have a clean swing um, at the green. You're you're coming out sideways. You're coming out backwards. Um, and for 15 handicaps, they do this 19% of the time. Uh, for a five handicap, it's 11% of the time. So again, it's uh, noticeable, so isn't it? It's a, it's a noticeable difference. It's 8% difference uh, there. So um, it is very important to keep the ball in play. And being in the rough is in play. Yeah. You have typically a realistic chance at getting the ball Coming around forwards. the green. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hitting it forwards towards the green and not having to come out sideways or backwards. So, you know, just we're, we're, we're talking about reducing it, you know, about 8% here to go from a 15 to a five. So keep it in play. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good points there. I mean, obviously lots of the points from point one also reflect out onto point two into the recovery yeah. areas, don't they? It's the same points. You've got to move your targets, choose different clubs, learn your patterns, everything and understand how wide your deviation is with your driver they all apply obviously for point two one other little thing i would like to just put into point two from my experience of watching better players so five handicappers and better up to 15 handicappers and higher is uh, i know this is off the tee but it will reduce the pressure for of your tee shots the amount of amateurs of a high handicapper who choose to chip out sideways because they've got no weapons to hit a low hook hit a high fade, hit whatever, a recovery shot. If we were to put Greg in certain recovery positions compared to a 15 handicappers, he's got more options because he's good at recovery shots. You know, he's a tall pro, he's going to have to be. So just trying to improve your recovery shots would be an idea to help that stat come down because that stat doesn't reflect if they chipped out sideways because they didn't have the ability to hit a low draw. It just says they chipped out sideways, doesn't it, Lou? Yeah, exactly. So two percent of them could be because the five handicapper can hit a punch four foot in the air and hook it. Well, I mean, yeah, um, we're getting a little. It might be a little complex for me to understand that here, but um, but I agree with you that a fifteen handicap is going to be nowhere near as good as somebody like Greg in recovery shots, and you're typically or even a five handy like even a fifteen as good as a five. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and so improving your recovery shot skills is extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you've seen it, Greg, don't you? We watch it on the PGA oh. Tour all, all, you know, all week. And obviously I'm putting this up at the higher level. But as you rightly said, for the 15 to the 5, you see it as well. You guys are playing recovery shots that we often take for granted because they're just on our Instagram reel. We enjoy it and flick past it. Um, we don't yeah, appreciate I, how good yeah, they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think that 15 handicapped person – when they get in those situations, it's almost like if it doesn't fit into their little box of this is a shot I hit all the time, my little yeah, cuddle, 100%. and you need to do this other thing now that's you never practiced it. Yeah. You can though. You can practice a little hooky seven iron. We've talked about this in past yeah. pods. Yeah. Let's get on the range. I don't care if you take a plant out of your house, a plastic plant, and stick it 10 feet in front of you. Yeah. Try and hook it around it. You can go out in the golf course and practice it. It's it's definitely something little baby swings, moving the ball big ways, particularly right to left, because a lot of people can cut it pretty readily. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely both ways, something you can practice a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, hitting, and then that hit out doesn't become as scary. Yeah, absolutely. It just takes a bit of pressure off your tee shot, doesn't it? Like the amount, I just think oh, there's always times you have to chip out sideways. We've all done it. 
but there are plenty of times where I get up there, I've hit my t-shirt offline. I think there's pro I'm probably going to be able to do something with that. It has to be in the deep cabbage for me to be thinking, oh, this is coming out sideways. Um, so arming yourself with some good recoveries, I think, would be a good option. And it is one thing, it's interesting, when I talk to the students, they never practice it. You don't see them practicing these shots on the range. They don't see the point. I've said it to people. People have walked past me when I was practicing more and they would say, why are you in like, I'd have a seven iron and I'd be just pitching them out, you know, like 80 yards in front of me. And they'd be saying, why are you doing that? And I'd say, well, I'm going to hit this shot. I'm going to have to hit an 80 yard pitch shot that doesn't go higher than X in the next two rounds. I'll be shocked if I don't play that shot. Drivable par four, yeah. flail it off to the right. It's 40, 50 yards short of the green and it's a six or seven iron chippy run onto the front of the green. If I can do that, that's that's just going to save me strokes. That's why I'm doing this. And you'd see him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. I've never thought Sorry, that. Sorry, Lou, I was going to say, Mark, you're absolutely right because I've got some holes this week. I'm in Puerto Rico playing a PGA Tour event. Yeah. And there's a lot of palm trees down with some of these holes on the edges. Yeah. But some in some of my instances off the tee shots, those palm trees are included as part of my acceptable target because I know I can shape it around them. Yeah, yeah. There's only one of them there, and I, I'm not super concerned that I'm going to end up, like, right behind it. I think yeah. I can move it around it. Yeah. And so I, that makes my target wider. Totally. Right? Totally does. Which is takes a little pressure off. Yeah. Makes the game a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I approach the game the same way. But I, I can, <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaping it around anything that gets in the you way. Are. So yeah, I have, my targets are effectively a lot bigger. Yeah. One of the things that I do with the college team that I work with is um, I, I have a wedge ladder drill that goes from you know 80 yards out to 120 yards. And I will make them do it with where they're trying to land at a certain yardage and we're staggering the yards. But there are times where I will make them do that with a four iron or a five iron. And the whole point of doing that with a four iron or a five iron when it's, you know, it's a wedge for them um, is I want them to is to, to be practicing working on these really low shots that are carrying kind of a certain yardage. Because even when you're hitting some of those recovery shots where you have a window, but you you have to keep it low, yeah. you're trying to carry it a certain distance. Yeah, and if right, you have a yeah. five iron in your hand and you're trying to carry it, you're, you know, you're going to, you're gauging and you're adjusting and you're, and you're guessing somewhat. But if you say, I'm going to try to carry this 80 yards and I feel like it's going to run another 30 yards or 40 yards um, and, and get me on the screen that's 120 yards away. It's great to have that skill um, be, because you've worked on it and you know what it takes to carry that five iron um, 70 or 80 yards because you've done it a number of times. And so I, I love working on that because you're going to see those shots on the golf course. Love that. Yeah. Just on just yeah. on that too, Lou, that's a great way also to recognize how low the ball goes. Yeah. yeah. Right? When you do it, you know you'll be able to keep it on trees. And you might also find you tick the other box off, oh, this is a neat little shot I can just run on when I'm hitting really into the wind shots as well. Yeah. You know, you might – that's the other thing with some of the stuff we talk about. It might tick a couple of boxes yeah, when you're yeah. doing a little bit of practice. That's pretty useful. Yeah, like that a lot, like that a lot. Okay, last point then, Lou. This is the big one, the duffs. Talk us yeah. through what are the stats tell us. What's a what's a statistical duff? Ah, <laughs> uh, a statistical duff. <laughs> just imagine uh, saying it, that to someone who's yeah. just hit one. Uh, it's a, sorry, a, Bob, a you just hit a statistical <laughs> duff. Statistical duff. <laughs> He's going to punch um, you in the face, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> 
It's a, it's a drive that went less than a hundred yards. Okay. So with your driver. So um, and and for most players, even even the you know the shorter players, players that are hitting at one eighty, you know, even for them, that that's a pretty that's a severe miss. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's a you know something went went sour there. Yeah, um, and 15, 15 caps that happens with four percent of their tee shots, and with five caps it happens two percent of their tee shots. Okay. So everything we see here are all of these, um, you know, these these things add up. Now some of these duffs, I, I will, you know, readily say some of them happen because they've, you know, just blasted one right into the trees yeah, and they've and they've back. dropped yeah. straight down yeah. and it's come back. Um, but I would I would still consider that because you know you are you don't have the face control to you know keep the ball. And in a, in, a, in a spot that's not going to end up in the trees, you know, relatively short distance off the tee. Yeah. Um, and, and so even though it's it's not something you necessarily topped or skied, that was a really poor swing that got you into a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So really with this one, when it comes to reducing those duffs, we're now talking about centers of contact, aren't we? We're talking about trying to hit the sweet spot, the middle of functional part of that face, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking about trying to hit more towards the middle of the face and having the face be, you know, at least relatively pointed towards where you're intending the golf ball to go. You know, remember that um, face angle at impact drives about 80% of the start direction of the golf ball. Um, And so we want that ball to kind of start in the right window. Um, you know, lots of other things are going to influence which way it's going to curve and how high it's going to go and things like that. But we want it to start in the right window. We want it to be near center face contact so we can hit a, a reasonable shot for our skill level that's in play. Yeah. All we're trying to do, yeah. keep it in play. So for me, this one, um, I would say this is arguably the most practiced of the three data points that we've said. So I would say people aren't practicing trying not to hit it in penalty strokes by moving target that much, changing club that much. They're not practicing that as maybe as much as they could. They're definitely not practicing then the recovery situation shots enough. Uh, You know, there's just loads of listeners not practicing that enough. When it comes to reducing duffs, I would say a high percentage in the 90s of people who came to the range when I was at a range they were practicing with their driver to not hit duffs. So big curvatures, start line wrongs, complete tops. That's what they were coming to do. So I would say this is at least the most practiced one out of the three. So bearing that in mind, if we would were to agree that this is possibly the most practiced of the three stats, this would make me say, why aren't more people getting lessons? Because that's where this fix is going to come. Because I can't give you a quick fix to stop duffing it. Can you? I can't think of one. Just, uh, you just, need to see it. Just you, stop yes. doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need, you need to see it because it, it it's likely coming from a you know some kind of massive technical sort Correct. of the yeah. way you move the club. Yeah. And without seeing that, there's no there's nothing we can talk about other than you need to talk to someone and have them look at your golf swing. Yeah, and the amount um, of people I would see come to the range week and week out, and I think really, you know, how are you using that time to the best of your abilities? You're paying for these bucket of balls each time. You're out there. You might be just going out there for exercise or honing a skill. Great. But if you're out there trying to get rid of these percentage, 4%, 2% of these drives that you're hitting less than 100 yards, maybe a bit of professional help would be the answer. Because, um, I mean, I definitely feel that I could shift that number with 
a vast amount of our listeners if they came for me for a lesson. You know, I'd be able yeah. to identify why they hit the massive heel that goes nowhere, the big toe, the sky, the duff. It would be less duffs. You don't see many duffs with a driver. It would be a complete heel or toe and then sometimes sky. And to be fair with you, like, they're fixable. I, you know, you could shave a percent or two off that. You only have to shave 2% off that, and you're that as a five handicapper. I mean, they're so, small and I, incremental differences, aren't they? Yeah, correct, Mark. And I think the other thing to think there too is the most important thing when you're, when you're trying to work on stuff and you roll into the driving range, when you hit a good one, if you can't sit there and say to yourself, oh, I know what I did there, I know why that one is better than the previous five, Yeah. then you're in trouble, Yeah. right? You're in a little bit of trouble because how do you repeat something if you don't know what you did? Yes, absolutely. Right? And that's where the lesson piece comes into it's really – cool and easy and the pro can sit there and say well you did that really well look it shows on the data it shows yeah. here and look at the ball flight yeah um i think that's a really important piece so you can get some repeatability and some consistency start to build in getting rid of that stuff yeah yeah absolutely lou your duff percentages where would you sit in that are you two percent <laughs> again i've had i've had some dark times on the golf course where i've had some i've had some rounds where ooh the driver can you know, can get going pretty south. I've hit some topping it. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. that I mean, twelve just... degree attack angle was probably not helping. <laughs> it's a little bit up. <laughs> you might have had top spin. If, on if you're not in that ground, you might catch the ball. It's that kind of attack angle. Isn't it? <laughs> Lou hits the ground on his right foot. He's his nose at the left foot. <laughs> Your window of strike is minuscule, isn't it? It is, but, but the fact that I can pull it off so often is you, you, testimony you, to your ability. It's a testimony to the athleticism. athleticism. Yeah, yeah. Yes. exactly. It speaks it really only of the legend that is Lewis. There's probably only one or two people in the world who could do that like exactly. that. At least. Uh, one so I, I, I think all of this, um, you know, talking about duffs and getting lessons, I think everything we're talking about here um, leads to you should probably have somebody take a look at your swing and help you out. Find a good teacher, commit to that teacher, and they can help you through these things. And, you know, there are some noticeable differences between a 15 and a five off the tee. We have one more item we're going to get to here to talk through that. But the ones we've talked here, uh, penalty strokes, recovery situations, and then just horrific duffs that that don't go anywhere. All of those are, you know, a, a function of, you know, poor strike and, and other things that are potentially going on with your swing that can get fixed. Um, yeah. And the number of... of golfers out there that are not getting lessons is always pretty mind numbing to me when I see, when I see the stats. Um, yeah, not so many people I, get lessons. It's interesting, yeah, isn't it? They really, they really should, um, I know why they good don't. And work with them. Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, I think I know why they don't too. I think a lot of people, if you talk to them, a lot of people have had lessons in the past, but don't continue with them. They get one or two lessons. They expect massive, immediate, instant improvement. They don't see that and they stop. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that's I, that. There's a really obvious reason why people don't have, uh, or not more people don't have lessons, and it's to do with pure marketing. It's really simple. Most people buy clubs because they're marketed very well. They spend billions on collectively marketing their message, which often is hollow and pointless and not worth much to lots of golfers. But they're good at selling their product. Golf pros are all fragmented. The 
the governing bodies that govern us as golf pros are debatable at best. That's a different pod that I'm not going to go down, but honestly, uh, get me started on that one. It's just, a, it, it, it's a mess. There, there's so many pros. If collectively, if they put their heads together, you could market the products so much better, but they don't, um, which is why most people think they don't need them, I think. Um, the last point, Lou. Yeah, my favourite point. Distance. What's the yeah. distance difference on average for like a 5 to a 15? Should we let Greg guess? Because I think I know it. Yeah, but let's have Greg guess. Average distance. <laughs> For a five average distance to, with driver to a fifteen. So with like, what do you with driver. So what's the difference yeah. between them? Is it eighty yards, twenty yards, two yards? Oh, do you see what I mean? Forty-three point six yards. Forty-three. So the five handicapper average is forty-three point six yards longer than a fifteen. Is what you think? That's what I'm going to say. Okay, Lou, hit him. It's about it's about thirty yards. Yeah, it, well, oh. It's not that. You're being yeah. generous. It's twenty-six it's a, yards, isn't it? <laughs> it's about it's about thirty yards. Okay. Yeah. It's about so not 30 bad. Yards. I was just going to say about yeah, thirty right, yards. Right there. Yeah. yeah, right, right. In there. About about thirty yards. <laughs> but distance is a, it, you know, I speak from personal experience when I say distance is a huge advantage. Yeah, because you, you used to have it, didn't you? I used to have it. It's gone. And now yeah, you gone. don't. We're, you must be. We're gonna we're gonna get it back. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's scratching it, his head. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's painful. Then. It's painful. Please to, come back. <laughs> You said one tee shot inbounds. Man, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so 30 yards, I mean, that's that's a game changer, isn't it? 30 yards is a game changer. For most players, 10 yards, and again, there's so many um, variables in play here, but a rough estimate is 10 yards is going to be about a shot for yeah. amateurs, yeah. roughly. So if you added 30 yards, it's going to be three some players, it's going to be five shots. Yes. Some players, it's yeah. going to be a shot and a half. Yeah. Um, but there's a huge, huge benefit to getting longer. And most 15 handicaps, when, Greg, you play in your pro-ams and you're playing with, I'm sure, a lot of people in the 15, 18 range, they're probably hitting it 215 to 220 off the tee. Um, right. Typically is where they are. Um, and you know, doing something like speed training – um, and adding that distance is, for many players, very achievable. Yeah. And I would encourage people to to really look into that. Yeah, yeah. And just to point it out, because there will be people, I would have listened to this as a young person thinking, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm a 15-year-old playing off scratch, hitting it about 200 yards off the tee. So if you are 30 yards shorter, okay, let's say you are 30 yards shorter listening to this pod and you want to break 80, you now need to, when the penalty strokes for five handicapper was 5% of their tee shots, if you get that for 2%, do you see what I mean? You can win back your distance by not doing the other things as well, can't you, Lou? Right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not yeah. playing down the importance of distance and in turn that it is obtainable because I totally agree with your point. What I'm saying is for the people, like, there's plenty of people I've taught, they're not particularly going to get longer because they're 65 75 70 years old they're not even thinking of getting up longer they're just trying to still stand up and turn up but i think he just took a direct shot at you greg <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 49 for a start <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> just the elder statesman yeah but do you see what i mean you can win that distance back by having no penalty shots or one every four rounds and you can win that distance back by having one recovery shot every four rounds compared to four percent or whatever it is you know what i mean you can 
you can win that back in other places. But the importance of trying to get the most out of your driver and tee shots is just it's it's huge. It's it's going to for, for some of the take people the in that bracket, off, wasn't it? Yeah, I think for some of the people in that bracket, aside from if you chose to do distance training like speed training, some of them can just improve through better contact. Yeah. Uh, you know, better driver setup. You know, if you're a big cutter and you've got your driver set up to hit big cuts, you can tweak these these days and yeah. maybe change that if that helps. How about um, how about warming up? It's an idea, isn't it? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so just some things like that. Like even even at my level, I'm one of the biggest gains I get for speed is through better contact. Yeah. Like if I'm more consistently out of the middle, I gain confidence, and then actually I hit a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just a. That's just a big key, I think, for some people. If you don't want to go down the path of speed training, um, that's an avenue you can improve at through either lessons or getting some good information in your hands. Yeah, absolutely. And the good thing with speed training for lots of golfers is you can do a lot of that work off course. You can do it in the garden, in the garage, wherever. You don't need to be running off to the course all the time. You can do some good work and move a bit of the needle um, in your time where you're frustrated that you can't get to the golf course. There's definitely ways of getting around it. What's interesting is, look, look, I just want to say this, which is really interesting. So they're 30 yards shorter and they're in, in the trouble more often? Yeah, they are. You know, to do That's better players are, isn't it? It is. Better players are typically longer and straighter. Yeah. Um, and so the, the woods are it? not full of long drivers. <laughs> yeah. The woods are full School of the obvious. short <laughs> drivers that... Are crooked and you so. needed a calculator to tell us that okay. and then a calculator <laughs> excel spread we listen we're gonna we still need to do some excel here so definitely trying to gain yards where you can is got it's just gonna just there's dividends to be had but at the end of the day like i said this is just driving breaking eight ideas you can win these back in other uh, other departments if you want us to tackle approach play and short shots and putting and break 80 series if you've liked today's pod let us know and we'll do it because i think it'll be quite fun to do a bit of a series guys on what you need to do with your approach play and they can listen to them all and then they can take notes and then they they're wizards they know what to do put it on a spreadsheet golf is <laughs> sorted <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these pod, I, I enjoy these Very good. pods, but I, they'd be more relevant for me if they were break seventy. Now, yeah, I was going to say I'm, I'm just out there tearing it up. I could so. see your eyes. I could see your eyes glazing over as we talk. Yeah, this yeah totally. we're just thinking, I'm, yeah. This, this is so two thousand for me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> there we go. If you want to break 80, hopefully there's some really good tips in there for you to think about what you are doing or not doing. And like I say, if you want us to do approach and other departments in the break 80 series, let us know and we'll do it all. And we'll have a nice little series for you to consume. Thanks for listening as always. And we'll catch you in the next podcast.